Thank you for your hand upon him. I thank you for your word that you've put within his heart. And Lord, I pray as he speaks to us, Lord, that it would be you sowing your seeds, Lord, in our lives and that we would change in Jesus' name. Father, would you anoint him and bless him. Amen. guys, how you doing? Everybody out there okay? Quite loud, aren't I? Awesome, awesome. Well, two people have told me I've got 30 minutes. Chloe told me that I've got till 20 past 8 before I got up. And Jackie just looks at me and said, 30 minutes, okay? I don't know what they're trying to say. Maybe they're trying to say I'm a bit long in the past. I haven't a clue. But anyway, I've got 30 minutes. So we had quite a lot going on in that in that part of worship, didn't we? We had like some prophecies, some dreams. You're not getting old, Catherine. Don't worry about it. We know we had some warnings and all that. And to start the whole thing off, we had a wing wong. <laughs> now, so I've only got one question to ask, right, Jackie? What is a wing wong? <laughs> Jackie's like, we're going to wing wong ourselves through this service. So here we go. I'm going to wing wong myself through this preach. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do it, okay? <laughs> G'day, mate. Stick another shrimp on the barbie and have a wing wong. Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, I've been really encouraged by what people have been saying uh, in the service so far. Praise God, you guys have been preaching my preach already. All right, God has lavished his love upon us, amen? Jackie said it earlier. And everyone was talking about God's love and how you, how you go through. I just want to ask you a question tonight. You know, do we believe, the song says, Lord, your love is better than life. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that God's love is better than life? Better than, you know, having a good job, having a good house, having a good career, having a lovely wife or husband, having children, having a future or reputation. God's love is better than all of that. Amen. Amen. And people don't believe it, do they? They don't they think you that's not true. That's not true. But tonight I want to just break it down for us and sort of try and explore and open up and reveal some more of God's love to us this evening. I, I really believe that God wants to touch our hearts and open up our hearts to more of his love. It's hard for us to really contain, and we can't contain it, but it's hard for us to understand and get it into our hearts and heads. That's why, you know, God asks people to preach and share the word so that we can understand more of him, so that we can somehow crowbar into our lives a bit of who he is. Because uh, he's just so big. He's just so awesome. Amen. Amen. Don't be quiet, guys. Come on. Good. Alright. Bring it on. Bring it on. That's my new word. I like it. Okay. Alright. We're going to be... I just want to quickly say where um, where we've been going on. We, me and Tracy obviously haven't been here for a while. Um, as Jackie touched on earlier, we've uh, we've actually decided that God's... God's well, it's time. It was time for us to, to uh, move on from coming here regularly. We're going to come here as much as we can whenever Jackie will have me to preach. So it won't be too often, don't worry. Uh, 
Oh, we'll be here. We just felt like um, we just felt like you know what our mission really was to come here and help this church get established. We felt that from the beginning, and here we are. Look at you guys. There's plenty of you. You're established. You're establishing all. S- yeah, you're beautiful. Uh, establishing all sorts of things, you know, and you're getting established in Christ. There's a church. God's church is being built up in Pekeli. Amen. Amen. So we're, we're really just excited to be. It's great coming in, seeing you guys talking. You had a real good time, of good sense of fellowship when we moved in. We shouldn't lose that. We should never lose the sense of fellowship when people come in. And what Catherine was saying is, you know, when the people come in, we don't want to be forming cliques, do we? We don't want to be saying, oh, look at them, they're a bit scary, so I'm going to stand over here. My friends, we need to be welcoming them in, don't we? We need to be showing them love, showing people who don't usually come to church what God's love is all about, what God's body is all about. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, I don't know if you remember what I talked about last time. You probably had lots of preachers between there and now and then, but I'll just quickly remind you. I mean, it was about God's grace. There we go. Hey, surprise, surprise. Uh, and it was about, I just talked about um, life in the new covenant. That was the title of, of what I talked about la- last time. And I wanted to just, when, when are you all right, Sean? You go for a wing one. Um, what? What's the matter? So I just wanted to establish us in um, what shush, what life is like in the new covenant, and um, establish the fact that we're not in the old covenant anymore. We don't live by laws. We don't live by traditions and and duty and doing things like out of sense of oh I must come to church. Oh I must read my Bible. No, we do it out of our response to God's grace, our response to His love for us. We that's why we live. That's what we do, and that's how we we act now. Okay, we come and we 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 say thank you for our forgiveness because Jesus died on the cross for our forgiveness and when we sin we know we're forgiven amen and the really key point I, I remember stressing last time is the Holy Spirit isn't here to point out your failures he's here to tell you what's right about you he's not here to tell you what's wrong about you he's here to tell you what's right about you because of what Jesus did on the cross amen amen okay so that's what I was preaching last time and um I just want to just, it just really, everything flows off the back of living in the new covenant, of living by grace. And um, tonight I want to focus on God's love for us because I believe, I've been really stirred up that um, God's love needs to impact our hearts, impact our lives. And I'm just going to pray, Father God, I pray that you would uh, really just uh, show us something about your love this evening, Jesus. We don't want to go out of here the same. We don't want to go out of here as we came in, Lord. Lord, it says we uh, we come in through the north gate, but we leave through the south gate. We leave in a different way to where we came in. Jesus, will you change our hearts? Would you make us new people and just people on fire for you? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've got a tendency. I don't know about... Uh, about you, but uh, I've got a tendency to generalize and dumb down and and to sort of make common the word love. You know, it's been overused, hasn't it? You know, you hear it in the songs, we have it in Valentine's Day, we have all sorts of expressions of love, okay? But God's love should never be dumbed down, it should never be made common, it should never be just generalized. God wants to put his finger on you tonight. He wants to put you under a magnifying glass. Have you ever had a magnifying glass and the sun shines down on the magnifying glass and a little bit of paper? No, you've never done that one? Where it sets a light, yeah? Yeah? 
Alright, you little pyromaniacs, you. Yeah? Uh, yeah, so so God wants his, his, his love, the, the love for the, that he has for us to shine down through his magnifying glass tonight. And he wants to set you alight. He wants to set your hearts alight for him. He wants to set your hearts alight for the lost. He wants to set your hearts alight for Jesus. There was, um, yeah, there's a uh, there's a, a title in uh, written um, by Joseph Prince. It, it says, "Good things happen to those who know that God loves them." Good things happen to no- those who know that God loves them. He says it's one of his longest titles ever. It's quite a long one, isn't it? But it's a, it's a really good uh, it's a really good preach, and I'd encourage you to get it if you can. Um, but it just talks about how there's a dis- there was a disciple called John, and uh, he wrote in his book uh, he wrote in the book of John about a guy, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and it take and it took um, it's Joseph Prince says it took him a while to work out that that was actually John, <laughs> it was John he was talking about. And what happens is that John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he practices God's love for him because he says, "I am." the disciple whom Jesus loves. Now the thing is, guys, we know we're loved. But do you know that uh, you, are, you are the person who Jesus loves? Do you practice that love? Do you declare that love over your lives? Do you, do you live in that love? Do you say, I am the person who Jesus loves? Because when you do that, you personalize God's love for you. You personalize God's love for you and um, and what he says is that John, good things happened to the, uh, to John, and that what happens is that John uh, ended up at the feet of the feet of Jesus at the cross, and um, Jesus turns to him and says, "Look after my mother, look after Mary," and um, he he draws it in a comparison to Peter, who Peter. Um, actually denied Jesus. And whilst G- Peter was reinstated, Peter was, was the disciple who said, Lord, I love you. I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. I'll do anything for you. And he boasts of his love for, for, for God, but actually what John did was boast of God's love for him. So what, we need to do, what, what I'm saying is, tonight I want you to focus on God's love for you. Don't think about how much you love God's God. Don't talk about your love for God, because your love for God is flawed. It's, it's, it's human. God's love for you is perfect. When you preach on that, God, when, you, uh, when you focus on that love, it will change your heart and it will do good things for you in your life. God's love will work in your life to change you. You see, God's love is not sentimental. It's not emotional like a wife. It's not... <laughs> it's not quiet... It's not quiet. Wait there. It's not quiet or silent like a man. <laughs> I have to say though, of all the men, yeah, I think Ben's doing quite well here on this one. I noticed Ben was going around giving everybody cuddles when we came in. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you see, that's what we do, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll go there. Right. Yeah, but that's what we do, isn't it? We go around, we have lots of expressions of love. We hug each other. We we say, you know, we tell each other, yeah, we love you. We we hug and we th- but God's love isn't isn't like that. You know, yeah, okay, God wants to feel you to feel good. He wants you to uh, to to have a sense of cuddliness, but really that's our expression of love. That's 
That's like just us trying to somehow mimic what God, God's love is like. You see, God's love is powerful. God's love is passionate. God's love is deep. God's love moves us. God's love changes us. It transforms us. God's love is like fire that burns in our hearts. It's like a raging river. I want to show you. Can we just have that first slide up? I want to show you what God's love looks like. This is what God's love look, looks like. This is what it looks like. You see, it's not just a hug. It's not just a kiss. It's a life. It's a life hung on a cross. And not just any, other, any life, but Jesus' life. The Son of God, whom he loved, whom he sent into this world. Whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. That's what God's love looks like. This is pure love. When you look at Christ on the cross, you see pure love in action. The Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 10, This is love, that Christ laid down his life for us, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave his love for us as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God has clearly proven his love for us, in that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ is love. When his blood was poured out on the cross, unconditional love was unleashed into this world. Everywhere Jesus went, he loved people, didn't he? He loved people. The adulteress caught in the acts of adultery, thrown in front of him. He took away her accusers. He gave her back her dignity. He gave her the strength to go and sin no more. The woman with the issue of blood. Years and years in captivity. Never able to go out into public. Never able to show her face because she was a disgrace. Because she had this issue of blood. He healed her. He took away the pain. He took away the shame. He loved her. He wasn't scared of who she was. You see, all the tradition should have said he shouldn't have gone anywhere near her. He shouldn't have allowed her anywhere near. But he turned around. He looked her in the eyes. He said, a woman, your faith has healed you. Woman, your faith has healed you. He loved her. He showed her love. You see, love goes the extra mile. Well, love breaks down the barriers of tradition, doesn't it? It doesn't look at what, uh, what, we th- what other people might think. It doesn't think about uh, reputation. It walks past the ugliness and touches the person, the set their heart, their soul. It meets them where they're at. Jesus loved people passionately and people loved him. Because he was love personified. He was love com- came, come down to rescue us as that song sings. A question. Uh, okay, wait there. I got another. I saw a, a, a pretty cool clip a while ago in a video. And... Um, it was, it's called the How Great Is Our God video by Louis Giglio. And um, Louis Giglio, I can't even say it. When I say his name, I sound drunk. No, I don't think so. He's American. Um, so, and uh, what was I saying? Yeah, and he really spoke to me. It really spoke to me. There's a, um, there's a verse 
in the Bible, we're going to go to it in a bit. Um, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. It says, the, the love of God compels us. Paul, Paul writes, the love of God compels me. And I was re- and I just wanted to have a look at that word compel, because I had this, this preach, this preach, stirring in my heart. But you know what? And, we're gonna, and I know what you, may, you know what the word compel means. It means to drive forward. It means to move on. But also the word compel means to hold together. To hold together. God's love holds us together. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's another meaning for the word compel. There's um there's something called um in this in this video he talks about something called laminin. Has anybody heard of laminin? Okay, these two are nodding their heads at the front. Okay, laminin is a protein. It's a uh, let me just get this right before I get it wrong. It's a cell adhesion molecule. Cell adhesion molecule. You're all thinking, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Dave. Uh, okay, it's basically it's a uh, it's it's something that holds your cells together in your body. Okay, it's an adhesion. It keeps them together. It's like glue. It's like the reinforcement bar that you put in concrete. That's what this is for our bodies. That's what laminin is. Okay, now you're thinking, why are you telling me this? Why is David? Dave talking about like bio, bio, biomolecular chemistry or biology or whatever it is. Well, because when I heard this, uh, it really blew me away. Do you want to see what uh, laminin looks like in a sort of uh, broken, sort of under a telescope form? Would you like like to see microscope? That's the word. See, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm totally winging this. I'm winging it. Um, do you want to see what it looks like? All right. This is what it looks like. Okay, that's laminin. Now, am I am I seeing things, or is that the shape of a cross? Okay, that's the, that's what it looks like, um, sort of uh, in its um, diagram form. But that's what it looks like in its actual form. It looks like a cross. So let's just break that down. The very thing that holds our bodies together is in the shape of a cross, because God's love holds us together. Amen. Amen. And some of us here might think, you know, well, God doesn't see me. He doesn't know what's going on in my life. How can God know what's going on in my life? You know, I don't feel his love. I don't know his love. But God's love is all around us. The Bible says he has clearly demonstrated his love for us. He has proven his love for us when Christ died for us on the cross. He has demonstrated, he has proven God's love is all around. It lives in you. It, uh, it, it holds you together. It drives you forward. He is there. He wants your, his love to invade your life, for you to feel and understand and have a greater understanding of how great his love is for you. The question is, will you allow him? Will you let him in? There's a verse in Ezekiel 47. Uh, and I, again, I read this in a book, and um, it talks about how uh, Ezekiel is taken into a river by the angel of the Lord. And he's taken into the river, and the river starts off ankle deep. And uh, he goes into the river, and it's ankle deep, and the angel of the Lord takes him out of the river. Then he goes back into the river, and this time the river's up to his knees. And he goes into, and it's in, up to his knees. He feels the water, and then he goes out, and then he comes back into the river. And this time, it's up to his waist, and then 
the angel of the Lord takes him back out. And the person who writing this book said, you know, we have a choice. We have a choice in life. How far are we going to go? How deep will we go into the river? You see, the river represents God's love or his Holy Spirit pouring out his love into our lives. It represents him. And how far will we allow ourselves to be taken into that river? Will we only dip our toes in? Will we only stick our ankles in? Will we go up to our knees? Will we go up to our waist? Or will we allow the river of God's love to wash over our heads, to drown us, to immerse us, to take us over? Because when we do that, his love will change our lives. His love will change our lives. You've got to let him in. You've got to break down those walls. You've got to take away all that pride. You've got to take away all that respectability. The woman who went after him with the issue of blood, she lost all hers. She lost all her um, dignity when she went out into that street. But she saw Jesus, and she needed Jesus. And I, so sometimes the question is, how desperate are you? Sometimes the question is, how much do you need this? And of course, in this world, in our uh, sort of consumerism world, we've got everything we need. And so trying to prove to people that they need God's love can be difficult. But I really truly believe that each one of us is made with a hole in our hearts that needs God's love. I really truly believe that. And every other thing that we look for will never fulfill that hole until we allow God's love in, until we allow God's love to completely immerse our lives. Today, God wants to take away all the rubbish and burn it up with his love. I want to just quickly... um, Recall to you a story, you probably all know it, about Elijah on Mount Carmel. And he's there with all the prophets of Baal and all the people, and they've had a bet. <laughs> they've had a deal that whoever can make fire come down and burn up this altar, uh, that's the God they'll serve. That's the God who they'll worship. And they all stand there, all the prophets of this, this, this Baal, this other guy, they all stand there and they're running around it and they're chanting and they're banging their drums and they're slitting their wrists. Do you know what that stands for? That stands for our effort. That stands for us trying uh, to, 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 to do all the stuff to get, to get God to be... Sorry, that stands for us trying to achieve what only God can do. All right? That stands for our striving, our, our cutting, our uh, banging our drums... You know what Elijah does? I mean, he taunts them, doesn't he? Which is a bit naughty. He taunts them. And then uh, they sort of give up. And he says, okay, my turn. My turn. And he gets up. And he builds an altar. And then he tells them to bring water. He tells them to bring water. You know, I was thinking, and you know, you can look at this several ways. But I was thinking, that what does the water represent? And I was thinking, if there's anything that would people would think that would stop God's love... It would be sin, wouldn't it? You see, the water was there to show that no matter what uh, we put on the fire, God's still going to burn it up. He wanted to demonstrate God's power. He wanted to say, listen, I've got so much faith in my God, I'm going to pour water on this altar. I'm going to douse it. I'm going to soak it. I know I know because I do a bit of gardening now and again. It's hard to light a wet fire. All right, It really is. I mean, you can be there all day. And, and I have been <laughs> uh, 
and uh, you know it's hard work so he pours loads of water so that's not, there's only going to take a miracle that's going to light that fire well yeah <laughs> they didn't have petrol then Simon I'll tell you this one <laughs> um, so so you know what I just felt like that water represents our sin it stands for for our sin. It stands for the stuff that we think might stand in the way of us and God. But you see, what God does is He does more than just burn the altar. I mean, He annihilates it. I mean, it just disappears. Like He wipes every single piece of water. It burns up in a flash. The whole thing's alight. You know, He shows His power, but also He demonstrates His love for us. Because when we read it 2,000 years later, or several thousand years later, we see that, uh, that he takes away all the stuff, the bad stuff. He takes away all the sin. And you see, what I believe God's love will do is it will c- when, if you allow it into your heart, it will come down, it will burn up all the, all the sin, it will burn up all the pain, and it will take away all the hurt. And you will be left with a fire that burns brightly for everybody to see you'll be left with the fire, the fire of God's love that burns brightly for everybody to see. You see, when the tongues of fire rested on the people in in the upper room, the disciples, I believe they weren't just having a supernatural experience, they were feeling God's love for them. You see, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit pours out God's love into our hearts. So whenever we think of the Holy Spirit, we need to think of God's love because that's what part of the, one of the main things he does. He pours out his love into our hearts. And those tongues of fire were, fire, were, were, were tongues of fire of God's love. And they were feeling it, they were sensing it, and it was changing them and changing their lives. They were becoming radical people. And, uh, what, and so what happens is God's love transforms us. And so I just want to talk a bit about, quickly, and we're going to finish in a minute, about what that transformation does. And I saw a video, um, I just want to, can you show that video? Some? I saw a video saw a video a couple of months ago. And, it, and it's off the back of that that, that I'm actually speaking. Because, because you see, once we understand God's love, we're never the same. And if you st- sit here and you say, well, Dave, I'm the same, then you haven't understood God's love. So we're just going to look at this video, and then I'm going to preach, and we're going to finish. And I think that's where we've missed it. And I, I had a dream uh, many years ago that totally revolutionized my theology. It totally changed how I think of doing church. I grew up in church, and I grew up in a keep this, keep this, keep this, and this is what you are. I saw the Lord uh, show me this picture of this, this church filled with drug addicts, with prostitutes, with drug dealers, with, with uh, gangbangers, with people from all different sorts of, of crime life. And they were in this church, and they were doing everything wrong. They were having sex in the pews, they were drinking, they were doing drugs in the pews, they were selling drugs to each other, they were doing, everything they were doing was wrong, they were fighting. And I was trying to stop all that. And I remember at one point I hollered out and I said, if you're not going to honor God's house and respect his house, then get out. Exactly what probably the majority of pastors or leaders would say. 
And I remember the Lord speaking back to me so clearly and saying, why would you send away what I've sent in? Why would you send away what you've been asking for? And I said, God, I didn't ask for this. And he said, you asked me for the lost. And he said, now, keep it simple, love them, and let me change them. And that completely revolutionized how I thought of church and how I saw evangelism and everything. And it wasn't about pointing out to people what they were and were not doing, but what Christ was inviting them to. Love me and I'll change you. Love me, pursue me, and I'll do all the hard stuff. I just want you coming after me. I started this movie wanting to see if God's love could exist in even the darkest of places. I knew that he loved us, but I was wholly unprepared for the tenacity, the patience, and the sheer power of God's love for all of us, no matter who we are or what we've done. There is a war going on all around us, and it's a fight to the death, but it must be fought and won with the only weapon we have, true, pure, selfless love. Love is not a better program or a slicker presentation, and it doesn't care about talking anybody into anything. It is given freely, and it is only found in the heart of a father who desperately wants to embrace his children. He showed me this unbridled pursuit of his kids when I went to a New Age festival in Mount Shasta, California. I had brought a team with me who simply wanted to pray for people and show them what God's heart looked like. The last time I was in a situation like this, I went looking for a fight. This time, the fight found me. The team began praying for people, and many were getting touched by the Father's love for them. One woman approached Robbie for prayer, and shortly after he started, she began to manifest like a snake. Robbie commanded it to stop, and he later explained why he does that. And one of the reasons why is for me is I don't like giving a place, a stage for the enemy. And I don't want to give this, uh, and, and the other thing is that it's, a, it's an abuse to the person. That type of manifestation is the enemy really trying to abuse the individual. That's my take on it. And when I, saw, when I see those kinds of things happening, it really makes me angry because I see the, um, the manipulation of the individual, the abuse of the individual, and humiliating them. But also, it's, it's Satan trying to demonstrate his power and trying to minister fear to everyone around. And that's the reason why that love is so powerful of a tool against the work of the enemy. Because when fear is, is something that he can control with, the best thing to combat that is love. Because immediately that, that overcomes fear. And, and the scripture says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I believe that those things, the power comes, our power comes from the love of Christ. And even Paul makes a statement where he says, the love of Christ compels me to go places I would never normally want to go and do things I would never naturally want to do. But it's driven and, and propelled by the love of Christ. I begin to just pray, Father, I pray that you would just love her and just invade her with your love, invade her with your, with your peace, with your joy. And let her know that, you're, that this is really you and that this is you inviting her to a relationship. And about that time, this one woman came from across the room and began to speak to her and say, tell them to stop this. Do you need me to help you? Do you need me to, to help center you? She began trying to counteract Robbie's prayers. 
Her attempts went nowhere though, and she finally gave up and left. And as she began to do this, it was very clear nothing was happening. Nothing was coming back because the presence of God was there, and the presence of God was there because we were there. And we, having Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope for change, the hope you know, for her change and her deliverance was present. And so the enemy wanted to be nowhere near that. And so nothing was coming back. Amen. It's a cool video, eh? Hello? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. So what I just want to finish off by saying is just coming back to uh, that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. The love of Christ compels us. You see, God's love isn't uh, uh, just a love that's focused on you and just for you. I think that's what but it's a love that must, must it. He just He wants to be here, doesn't he? That's what it is. It's... It, it's a love that needs to go out as well. Okay? You see, everything about God's love is, is outward. It's seeking and, and looking after, out for those who do not yet know him. His will is that none should perish. He sent his only son that people would believe in him. That's what God's love is like. It moves us to reach out. It moves us to go out. Um, Jesus said, "Love the Lord your God, and love, and love each other, as you love yourself. Love one another. Love the Lord your God, and love one another. And it's impossible to love. It's impossible to love people, and just even though you don't know them, it's impossible just to uh, have that love unless you've got God's love inside of you first." We love because God first loved us. And if you're asking yourself tonight, Dave, I can't love the unlovely. I can't love those who I just have no time for. I can't love just the random Joe Bloggs that walks off the street. I don't feel it. I don't understand it. What are you talking about? Then I will say that you need to understand God's love for you more. You need to get some time with God because as God's love impacts your life, you will want to impact other people's lives. And I will say to you tonight, if you do not have a desire in your heart, a burning fire in your heart to impact other people, to tell other people about Jesus, to, to share his love, then I would say you have misunderstood God's love for you. You have not understood the nature of God's love because God's love is always seeking the lost. It is always reaching out to those who need him. I'm just going to finish by reminding us of the story of the prodigal son and how the, the prodigal son really smacked his father in the face. How he said, I want all my money and I'm going to take it right now and I'm going to go and I'm going to squander it. And that's what he did, isn't it? He took it and he walked away with it and he squandered it. But you know, the father, he never stopped coming to the gates of his house looking for his son. He never stopped peering over the horizon for the day when his son would come back. Because of the heart the father is, 
that the lost would come back, the children would come back to him. But the elder brother sat in the distance and he watched this and he got a bit, he got a bit jealous, he got a bit bitter. And when the younger son came back to the father he, and he, he turned up and he didn't even have to say he's sorry, he prepared a speech, he, he was ready to do the whole nine yards and, and you know, convince his father to let him back. The father says, stop, wait there a second. And he brought a robe and he brought a ring and he killed a calf and he threw a big party. Why? Because the father, the father longs to have us back into his kingdom. The father longs to have those who, don't, who, have, who have wandered astray, who have slapped him in the face, who have rejected him. He longs to have them back. He longs to bring them in. He longs to throw a party for them and have them in his kingdom. And the son says, look, look what you're doing for this, for this person who's come in. And yet, I've been here all the time and you never once threw me a party. And the father turns around saying, all I have is yours. You could have asked me any time and we could have done this. All I have is yours. But do not, don't deny my, you know, your son who was lost but now is found. Don't deny him this, this, this privilege. And I just want to say, I just want to say, be careful that you don't become the older brother. Be careful that you don't allow uh, yourself to be in the kingdom, but not to understand God's love for you. To not make take take hold of all that He's done for you. To not ask the Father that He would throw a party, that He would do things for you, that He would fill your heart again with His love. Because when He does that then your, your heart will be for the younger son. Your heart will be for the younger brother. And you will, too, you will be joining the father every day, standing at the gate, looking for the prodigal son to come home, waiting for the day when he comes. In fact, you'll do more than that. Just taking the analogy further, you'll go out looking. You'll go searching. And you see, my heart, my heart was changed years ago, and, my, and a fire burns within my heart that the loss will come back into God's, into, God's, into God's church. But even more than that, God's done a new thing in my heart, and now the fire burns even brighter. And it's a fury, like that, that, the title of that DVD said, a furious love burns within your heart to see the loss come back to the Father. So I just want to pray, and I just want to, uh, I just want to challenge us, you know, if, if you're sitting here and you think that, uh, you know, I don't feel it, Dave, I don't get it, or um, <clears throat> it's just a head thing, it's not really a heart thing for you, then tonight I want, I want to pray. And I believe in faith that God's love would fill your heart and that you would have a, a complete and assurance of his love for you, his lavished love for you. And you would also have a heart to see others experience the same thing. So can we pray that? Can you agree with me on that? Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you, you pour out the love of God into our hearts. That's what the Bible says. Let us open up our hearts this evening, Jesus. Just encourage you to 
to open up your heart to him right now. To focus on him. See him on that cross. That pure love poured out for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray your your love would change us. We pray that raging fire, that 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 torrent of a river would flow into our hearts, Lord. More and more, Jesus. Lord, that we would see how passionate you are, passionate you are to see those that are hurting, Lord, saved and healed and restored, Jesus. Lord, let us burn like a fire, but let us never go out, Lord. And Lord, I pray that the fire of your love would burn in our hearts, that people would see it from a distance, and they would want to know, Lord, what is it? What it? What is it within us that makes us different, Lord Jesus? We pray you do that in this church, Jesus. We pray you do that in our lives, and we pray, Lord God, that uh, Lord people in Pakeli would see a fire burning, a fire burning in this place and they would come and they would come they would come from from afar Lord to see what it is that's going on in your church we praise Jesus praise Jesus we just bow our knee we humble ourselves we ask you to to transform our lives to have your way In the name of Jesus. Amen.